Welcome to a Great Detectives of Old Time Radio special from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, and with me is Andrew Rines of the Old Time Radio Westerns podcast. Good afternoon, Adam. Well, it's uh, good to have you here, and this is a special occasion. Uh, It's actually one that uh, I... Uh, a listener emailed me a few months ago and told me it was the 200th uh, anniversary of the Texas Rangers. Uh, and I had not heard of that, heard it, that it was, but I double checked. Uh, we didn't hit the exact date, but there are festivities going on in the state of Texas, the official ones. So I don't feel bad about not hitting the date because, you know, there's they're going to be doing celebrations till August out there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a year to remember. It's being 200 years for sure. So uh, I, I found something. This is actually this program is probably something more typical and we'll talk about it afterwards of a feature that uh, Andrew has on his podcast. But uh, this is actually an episode of Inheritance. It's called The Texas Rangers. The original air date is June the 13th, 1954. And let's go ahead and take a listen. Inheritance. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with the American Legion, presents a story out of that great composite of visions, struggles, and victories of the American past. Our Inheritance. Yes, we Americans are heirs to a vast fortune, a fortune compounded of many things of the great sea victories of old Ironsides. A tattered army shivering through the winter at Valley Forge. The voice of a great bell proclaiming liberty. And a brave band fighting hopeless odds at the Alamo. Let us now go back to a significant chapter in America's history, one which we all share in our inheritance. This is a tribute to the Texas Rangers, whose role in American history began when Texas was still a part of Mexico. Through the years and after Texas became one of the United States, the Rangers won enduring fame for their skill in handling Indian disturbances, in capturing outlaws, and in bringing cattle rustlers to justice. Tonight we tell of the special force of Texas Rangers. The story is typical of the exceptional bravery and cool courage which these Rangers have given us as a part of our inheritance. In 1874, in his office at Austin, Texas, Governor Davis is interrupted by his private secretary. Excuse me, Governor. There's a Mr. L.H. McNelly to see you. Something about the special force of Rangers. Oh, yes, Hutchins. I'm hoping he'll head it. Head the force, sir. But who ever heard of this McNelly? I have, Mr. Hutchins. And during the late war, so did several thousand Union soldiers, to their regret. This McNelly was on the Confederate side? He was. 
And a braver man or a finer soldier you'll never find. But, Governor, the Texas Rangers are different from regular soldiers. You're right, Hutchins. And this McNelly is no ordinary soldier. He's an expert in guerrilla warfare, a brave and a resourceful man. Now, please show him in. Yes, sir. Governor, we'll see you, Mr. McNally. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. McNally. Please sit down. Thank you, Governor. Now, I'll come right to the point, Mr. McNally. As you undoubtedly have heard, along the Rio Grande, there's a lot of cattle rustling going on. The outlaws cross the river, steal a herd of cattle, and escape across the Rio Grande into Mexico. This must be stopped. Uh, sir, uh, can't the U.S. troops do the job? Unfortunately, no. Negotiations are underway between the American and Mexican governments to permit U.S. soldiers to follow rustlers into Mexico. But in the meantime, our ranchers are losing thousands of head of cattle each year. The state of Texas must take action. Now, I propose to create a special force of Texas Rangers. A special force? Why not use the Frontier Battalion of the Rangers? The Frontier Battalion has too much to do now. They have a full-time job maintaining law and order throughout the state. Now, the main job, and at the start, the sole job of this special force, will be to stop those cattle rustlers from across the Rio Grande. I see. Mr. McNally, I want you to head that special force. But uh, I'm a Democrat, Governor, while you're a Republican. I'm not looking for a politician, but a soldier and a brave man. My experience on the other side of the lines from you convinces me that you are the man for the job. Thank you, sir. Will you take the assignment? But, uh, Governor, uh, I've just been married. And well, I... your wife can accompany you. I know, And but, uh... you can pick your own men. Well, uh, uh, very well, sir. I accept. Thank you, Captain McNelly. I'm sure your special force will be a credit to the Texas Rangers. Captain McNelly carefully selected the 30 men who were to be in his command. Some were former rangers. All were chosen for their courage, resourcefulness, and expert handling of carbine and revolver. Sent to its station on the river not far from Rio Grande City, the special force settled down, alert and ready for action. But the cattle rustlers lay low. Captain McNelly's bride soon adapted herself to the hardships of the frontier. Breakfast's about ready, dear. Morning, Lucy. And uh, how's my frontier bride? Oh, just fine. I'm getting to like it here. You, you don't mind this Dobie house? Well, it's a little different from our home in Austin, but I don't mind. Ah, that coffee smells good. <laughs> oh, next time any of the men go into Rio Grande City, have them bring back some eggs. These are the last three in the house. Your wish is our command, Lucy. I've only to mention we need eggs, and the whole special force will be glad to gallop into town and back again. Oh. It would give them something to do. Oh, are the men restless? Very much so. In the months we've been down here, there's been almost nothing for them to do. Patrols and camp routine can get very monotonous for men who want action. I know. Uh, you, you hear something? Yes. Well, there's a rider coming down the road. He's he's turning in here. Oh. Well, sounds like that horse has been run hard. Hello out there. You Captain McNelly? That's right. Major Moreland, Fort Ringgold, got this message for you. Uh, thank you. Uh, 
Raiders last night crossed Rio Grande with herd of stolen cattle at point near Las Cuevas. Ranch of notorious rustler Juan Flores. He will take appropriate action promptly. Well, it's signed by His Excellency the Governor. Hmm. Las Cuevas. Well, that's about across the river from Fort Ringgold. That's right, Captain. Sergeant. Sergeant Duncan. Yes, sir. Come here at once. Yes, Captain? Uh, how many men in camp, Sergeant? Eleven, sir. The others are out on patrol. Uh, we'll need all the men for this job. Send Corporal Bland after the patrol. Have him bring them back as fast as possible. Yes, sir. You'll take charge and move with all possible speed through Rio Grande City and on to Fort Ringgold. I shall wait for you there. Issue every man ten days' rations and plenty of ammunition. Yes, sir. Kind of sounds like there's some excitement, do. There is, Sergeant. Very definitely there is. Have Ginger saddle right away. Yes, sir. Dear, you will be careful. Oh, of course, my dear. Now, don't worry. We'll get these cattle back, and, and no rustler's going to stop us. Please, please take care. Don't worry, Lucy. Come on, man. Let's get over to the stable. I'll ride back to Rio Grande City. Yes, sir. Hold that. Captain McNally, Special Force of Texas Rangers. Oh, hello, Captain McNally. Is uh, Major Morgan on the post? Yes, sir. Just saw him going over to headquarters. Well, thanks, Sentry. You're welcome, Captain. Come in. Major Morgan. Come in, Captain McNally. It's good to see you. Have a chair. Thank you, Major. What can I do for you, Captain? Uh, I'd like your support, sir. Support? For what? For that telegram you relayed to me. The governor has ordered me to take appropriate action against cattle thieves who drove a herd of longhorns across the Rio Grande last night. The squadron officers and I have been discussing that problem. You've been debating whether to uphold law and order? We have been discussing the wisdom of crossing the Rio Grande. Major, if you want someone to take the lead, I'll be glad to do so, as soon as my rangers get here. Mm-hmm. And how many men do you have, Captain? Thirty. Thirty men. Why, that's a mere handful. These are Texas rangers, sir. They can give an excellent account of themselves. I don't doubt it, but thirty men. True, not the best odds, Major. You're right, they're not. Well, will you join me for dinner, or do you wish to wait for your men? Well, they can't reach here before nightfall. I'll be glad to have dinner with you, Major. Good, Captain. I think you'll find our mess quite excellent. Whoa, boy, whoa. Sergeant Duncan is the name sentry. In charge of Special Force Texas Rangers. Dismount, be recognized. All right, Sergeant. Captain Manelli is at headquarters that way, please. Thanks. Come in. Sergeant Duncan reporting, Captain. Good evening, Sergeant. Uh, Major Morlin, uh, this is my orderly, Sergeant. How do you do? Glad to know you, Major. Uh, Captain, 
Uh, the men haven't had no chance to eat since morning. It's all right if we take time for chow. <laughs> By all means, Sergeant. How are the men? Fine, sir. Tired, but uh, ready for anything. Any orders, sir? Well, the uh, governor wants us to get back some stolen cattle. Where are the cattle, Captain? On the other side of the Rio Grande in uh, Mexico. As soon as we've had chow, uh, we'll be ready, sir. Well, it's uh, 9 o'clock now. If the men want to go ahead tonight, tell them we'll start across the river at 1 a.m. Yes, sir. With a few hours' rest and some food, I reckon the men and horses will be as good as new. I think your expedition into Mexico is dangerous, Captain McNally. How do you know how many men you'll be facing? Well, we don't, and uh, we won't know until we face them. It's a chance we have to take. Rangers seldom worry about the number of the enemy. Sure you won't join us, Major Moreland? I can't. I must have explicit orders. We can only offer to cover your return and to try to rescue you if you're besieged. Uh, thank you, Major. Come on, Duncan. Let's see that the men get some food. It's one o'clock, Captain. Shall we move out? Uh, yes, Sergeant. Tell the men to move quietly. There's no moon tonight, but uh, the rustlers may have posted guards. All right, men. Mount up. Keep quiet. Don't look too good, Captain. The river's awful boggy around here. Uh, I think we can make it, Sergeant. Now just take it easy and quiet as possible. Yes, sir. all right, Sergeant. Yes, Captain, but look at that bank there. It's nigh on the impossible to get the horses up there. Yeah, you're right. And we can't afford the time to find an easier slope. We leave the horses here and go ahead on foot. On foot, Captain? It's a mighty long walk to the Juan Flores Ranch. No, not more than five miles or so. But we must be there by daybreak. We've got to have surprise in our favor. Yes, sir. All right, men. Leave your mounts. We go the rest of the way on foot. Corporal Bland? Yes, Sergeant. Take charge of the horses. Have them ready for our return. Okay, Sergeant. If there's any excitement, I don't want to be left out. You're going to stay with the horses, Bland. Okay for now. But you'd better send the man to relieve me if things get exciting. All right, I'll see what can be done. Uh, Sergeant Duncan, uh, take an advance detail of ten men. Have them spread out as skirmishes, about a dozen yards between men. Uh, have them move forward with utmost caution. Now, if they encounter any pickets, try to take them prisoners. But if they attempt an outcry... Yes, then... sir, I get you. We've passed the Kuchara Ranch, Captain. Las Cuevas is just ahead. Good. It's uh, starting to get light. Get the men together. Use hand signals. We've got to keep quiet. Yes, sir. Everyone here, Sergeant? Good. Ben, we have two jobs to do. Capture the rustlers and return the stolen cattle. I hope we can do this without bloodshed, but uh, the job is going to be done. It's getting lighter every minute. We, uh, we won't wait any longer. Captain, look. Look across the clearing. It's a long line of Mexican soldiers. About a hundred cavalry, a couple of hundred foot soldiers. Ah, I see them. Well, this calls for a change of strategy. Can't retreat now. We do. None of us will ever get back across the river alive. 
What are your orders, sir? Uh, form the men into two ranks of 15 men each. We shall march straight forward. Straight forward? Right at the enemy? Right at the enemy, Sergeant. We shall try a great bluff. I hope it works. Yes, sir. All right. Form two lines, men. Fifteen men to a line. Ready? Forward. March. The Mexicans are puzzled, Captain. I expected they would be, Sergeant. We're about a hundred yards from them now. To the rear! March! Madre mía. Those crazy Americanos, they beg us to follow them. Shall we not do so, mi general? No, Major Garcia. I do not like the looks of this. It may be a trap. They would appear small in number to lure us into an ambush of many soldiers. There were but 30 of them, and we are 300. Correction, Major. We see but 30 of them. But how can they Silencio, be... Silencio, Major. We wait. It is better that we see... But, General, I tell you that you... Halt! Take cover, men. Hold your fire, unless you're fired upon. It worked, Captain. Your bluff worked. They have not made a move in our direction. When you're outnumbered, it's better to puzzle an enemy than to attack him. Those Mexicans, they don't know what to make of it. What do we do now, Captain? We sit tight. We can't retreat. If they find out how few we are, we're done for. We must send for reinforcements. Reinforcements? I shall ask Major Morland for a detachment of cavalry. He said he could send aid if we were besieged. Detail a man to take a message back to Fort Ringgold. Find someone who won't get caught. Yes, sir. How's about Private Meeks? Why, he could wiggle through a mess of barbed wire and never get himself scratched. Very good, Sergeant. And aid is imperative, for the rangers are outnumbered ten to one. Signed, McNally Commanding. Captain, here's Private Meeks. I told him about the detail. Good. Meeks, give this note to the commanding officer of the fort. Yes, sir. Think you can make it back all right, Meeks? Captain, sir, there's nothing alive can stop me. Good luck, Meeks. So, they've started shooting. Sergeant Duncan... Warn the men to fire only when they have a good target in their sights. We can't afford to waste ammunition. Yes, sir. Board me, General. We have not yet attacked in force. Major Garcia, I have ordered four charges. Each one has been repulsed. Those Americanos shoot with too great accuracy. If we but ordered all the men in one big charge... And have no soldiers left in support? Major, you talk, but you do not make sense. See me, General. What are our losses? Twenty men dead, thirty-four wounded. And the Americanos... I do not know. I have seen none for... Perhaps we should consider a flag of truce. Perhaps we can persuade the Americanos to go back across the Rio Grande.
what's the meaning of this, Lieutenant Jones? Major Morland sent you to help us. Now you're preparing to leave. Captain McNally, your position here is untenable, sir. Sometime tonight, those Mexican troops will make an attack. And such a night attack can't be repulsed by so small a force. You think not? Well, sir, even the 30 cavalrymen in my command merely double your force. That's 60 men against maybe 600. No, Captain. I must take my troops back to Fort Ringgold. Your position's hopeless. If they attack tonight, you and your men will be wiped out. We shall give a good account of ourselves. Goodbye, and good luck, Captain. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Captain, there's a flag of truce over on the Mexican side. I see it, Sergeant. Good. Order the men to hold their fire. Send ten men to me. Order the others concealed. Yes, sir. Ten men reporting, Captain. Very well, Psyker. Men, line up behind me. Have your guns ready. I think this flag of truce is genuine, but uh, we take no chances. Americanos! It's a flag of truce. We recognize it. What do you want? Senor, permit me to introduce myself. I am Major Garcia. I'm Captain McNally. My general has ordered that you and your men shall leave Mexican territory. We came to get a herd of stolen cattle and the men who stole them. Tell your general that we're not leaving until you've delivered the rustlers and the cattle. Capitan, I assure you that will be done through regular channels. Through regular channels? That means never. I assure you, Major Garcia, that we shall take both the cattle and the thieves back with us. As you wish, Capitan. Hey, how many men have you in your force? Enough. Enough? That's a strange answer. That is uh, the correct answer. Senor Capitan, may we have a truce for the night? Why should we grant a truce? Uh, just for the night. Our men, they need the rest. On one condition, Major. See, si, and that is? That, uh, that you return two horses and a gun we lost during the fighting. It's agreeable. Very well. And in return, Capitan, may we remove the body of a lieutenant... Uh, he was killed in a charge this morning. Yeah, yeah, you may. Gracias, Capitan. Muchísimas gracias. The truce remains in effect until you deliver the horses and gun tomorrow morning. Sí, señor. Bueno, hasta mañana. Major Garcia, you have delivered the horses and the gun to the Americanos. Si, si, mi general. Now we can start the battle, eh? We can, but we do not. No. Why not, general? We are nearly 900 now. True, but how many are the Americanos? I saw about a handful last night, general. And how many were concealed nearby? You do not know. Neither do I. I do not care to risk the men needlessly. A soldier's life is of great value to himself and to his country. It must never be wasted. Sergeant Duncan, I I just can't stand this inactivity. It is kind of trying, sir. I intend to do something about it. Yes, sir. I'm sending word to the enemy that unless the stolen cattle and rustlers are delivered within one hour, I shall resume hostilities. 
That's biting off quite a lot, ain't it, Captain? No, not too much, Sergeant. It'll be dark within an hour, and our friends over there don't like to fight at night. If we have to fight our way out, it uh, might as well be tonight when we have some advantage. Yes, sir. Have this message delivered under a flag of truce. Right away, sir. Captain. Captain McNelly. Yes? Corporal Bland reporting, sir. Sure hope I haven't missed any excitement. <laughs> Not too much, Bland. We've done little but glare at each other for nearly two days. They've lost about 30 men. And the Rangers, sir? Not one's even been nicked so far. Oh, Captain, uh, the message has been delivered. Well, look there, sir. These two Mexican soldiers are coming back with our man. Uh, so they are. Well, this meeting will tell the tale. Either they deliver or we fight. Senor Capitan. Yes, Major Garcia. The general says that he will meet your demands. You shall have the cattle and the outlaws. Oh, when? Whenever you say, Capitan. At daybreak tomorrow, you'll deliver the cattle and the rustlers across the Rio Grande near Fort Ringgold. See, it shall be done. And you and your men will now leave Mexico? In due time. About uh, two hours, I should say. Ah. Muchas gracias, Captain. Why did you tell him two hours, Captain? <laughs> In two hours, it'll be quite dark. I, I didn't want him embarrassed by seeing how few men bluffed so many. There's the sunrise gun at Fort Ringgold, Captain. Yeah, yeah, well, the cattle should be along soon. That is, if they're returned, Captain. Why, Sergeant, you sound as if they might not be. I'm not saying one way or t'other. I, I just don't trust certain folks. Well, it appears Major Garcia will keep his word. Yes, sir, I guess I was wrong. Say, that's him crossing the river now, ain't it? Ah, I, I believe it is. Oye, Captain McNally. Hey, here are the stolen cattle. Yeah, I see him. Where are the rustlers? I'm sorry, Captain. We caught but one, and he... Yeah? Well, he tried to escape. We had to shoot him. The others? We are chasing them. Soon we shall capture them. We shall then turn them over to you. Good, good. And uh, are, uh, are these all the cattle? There aren't more than 70 or 80 here. Well, they're all we have found so far, but the search continues, sir. They shall all be returned. That's good, Major Garcia. Thanks. Thanks for keeping your words so promptly. No, it's not. Uh, don't mention it, Captain. Uh, there is uh, one little question before I go. Huh? Yes? Tell me. How many men did you have, Captain McNally? <laughs> well, as I said before, Major Garcia, I had enough. After all, they were Texas Rangers. <laughs> And for the first time in history, cattle stolen and driven into Mexico had been returned to their rightful owners. Captain McNally turned the trick with a mere handful of men against hundreds of soldiers. An example of courage, resourcefulness, and bravery, characteristic of the Texas Rangers that has come down through the years as part of our inheritance. You have been listening to Inheritance, presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with the American Legion. 
We are privileged this evening to hear from the past national commander of the American Legion, Department of Ohio, Mr. Milo J. Warner. Tomorrow is June 14th. On this day, in 1777, the American flag was first authorized by Congress. Since a presidential proclamation in 1915, we have celebrated this day as National Flag Day. The American Legion believes that today, perhaps more than at any time in our history, it is important that the American people examine the blessings of our heritage and reaffirm the principles and ideals which form this heritage. Tomorrow, on Flag Day, June 14, 1954, let us accord new honor to the symbol of our freedom, the flag of the United States of America. The American Legion has invited all liberty-loving Americans to join in a patriotic movement pledging new glory for old glory. This Legion-sponsored program calls for, one, a proud display of the stars and stripes, particularly on national holidays. Two, observance of proper flag etiquette. Three, knowledge and remembrance of our flag's dramatic history. And four, a new recognition of the star-spangled banner as a symbol of freedom in today's world. Let us as Americans never be so complacent, so sophisticated that the sight of our flag leaves us unmoved. We need not be ashamed if we feel a tug at the heartstrings and we see the broad stripes and bright stars of our land, for we know that it signifies liberty, equality, and a government of the people under God. Proudly we hail the flag which flies for 150 million Americans of every religious, national, and racial origin in the world. Humbly we remember those who have secured the rights which it represents. Thank you, Mr. Milo J. Warner. Next week, Inheritance will take you on another journey through the pages of history to a time when Americans dreaming of the future forged that which we possess today. Today's story, The Texas Rangers, was written by Ted Weir and featured Lyle Talbot as Captain McNelly. Included in the cast in order of their appearance were Charles Smith, Howard Culver, Vivi Janis, Clarence Strait, Robert Easton, Jack Carroll, Leroy Leonard, and Tony Barrett. The original music was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. Inheritance is produced and directed for the National Broadcasting Company and the American Legion by Albert McCleary. This is John Wall speaking. Senator Ralphie Flanders will meet the press tonight on the NBC Radio Network. Welcome back. Well, uh, that was an interesting story. Uh, to say the least. With uh, 
yeah, it's like, you know, bluffing the entire, you know, this much larger group of of Mexican militia uh, and just holding them off for that long. That's uh, incredible. It really shows that if you don't really know what the other side's doing, you have no idea what you're up against. I I had to appreciate, you know, the audacity of that major asking, uh, and how many troops do you have? I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, they might tell. And then, of course, the answer of enough uh, is a good one. Uh, and really, you know, really the epitome of the Texas Rangers and their reputation yeah, that's for sure. They do they do have that reputation doing more with less, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at, like, even the size of modern companies, they are much smaller force than you would think, given the territory that they cover. And certainly that was true in the golden age of radio. Uh, Lyle Talbot was an interesting choice to play McNally. Uh, he's probably best known as like a B-movie villain. Uh, in fact, he was the first person ever to play Lex Luthor on screen in the uh, uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk Allen Superman serials, uh, the second one in the 1950. Which really shows you can be a lead in a radio show, but then not the biggest name on the the movie or or. TV screen, as it were. I I do think this this is also kind of late golden age, uh, particularly for NBC. And with Inheritance, you got to hear some actors as lead uh, actors who you wouldn't have heard earlier, uh, earlier in the golden age of radio. Yeah, very true. Now, of course, uh, when it comes to the Rangers over radio, uh, the big series when you're talking about real life exploits of the Texas Rangers is uh, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which uh, we've been doing for on the Great Detectives for nearly two years. And I think you, you've been through several times over on the old time uh, radio uh, Westerns podcast. Yeah, we, we release every couple of years. We re-record and, and get the series back out there so it's never forgotten. Yeah, and that those, of course, are some incredible, you know, incredible tales. Like, uh, you know, some things that stand out is the one where um, I think the title, it was like Cactus Pear. Um, and uh, this outlaw just got the, you know, got a big head start on uh, Jace Pearson and nearly made it across for the Mexican border, but he stopped for like a minute to get like a, tac- a cactus pear for energy. And that was really the difference. And uh, he, he got caught in that uh, situation. And of course, you know, we're talking mass distances and dealing with a lot less support than you have in an urban environment. Yeah, and it's crazy if you think about how big Texas is, being one of the largest states that we've got, and if you compare how far they were traveling and being on horseback or, in some cases, on foot, you kind of go, how is that even possible? But, you know, stories are 
true to life at times and distances are not easily shown in uh, audio. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it it's definitely got a scope and just so much that, you know, you, you know, uh, Rangers can get called into. And I think that like in the, there were two seasons of the tales of the Texas Rangers. I think the first stayed really strongly on the more, violent, more sensational stories. And then you kind of get a little more variety in the second season and see them having to handle things, you know, help out with like small amounts of cattle rustling uh, where there's like some sort of bullying going on. So there really can be this variety in their work uh, that, that you, you know, in between like all of these sort of epic adventures that they end up having yeah that's very true and and they you know you, you hear the it's almost like because sheriffs were really the only law enforcement of the era during that time you had maybe one extra deputy they would call in almost instantly the tail the texas rangers just to help them do the the across borders and multi-jurisdictional needs that had to happen that you just couldn't have with one sheriff or one local town uh, officer. And they were kind of the detective of the era to be able to get in there and figure out actually what's going on because it was too big for small town, you know, police office, uh, police officers. Yeah. And they're just not familiar with the major crimes. And it's also interesting because they would come in with perhaps less bias where, you know, there'd been uh, a crime committed locally uh, where the sheriff, just because of like past relations and all sorts of views and prejudices, isn't able to see the whole picture where the ranger sees a bigger picture. Yeah, and we've gotten some stories in Tales of the Texas Rangers where they weren't even coming in because the sheriff asked for help, but because, you know, the constituents or the, the people who lived in that community was saying, hey, we don't think that this happened correctly or this wasn't investigated 100%. Can you come help us? And then they would go in and do exactly that, which is very akin to current law enforcement standards of having, you know, the state police and the state agencies come in and go, Hey, local agency, have you done what you're supposed to do? And one thing also with uh, Tales of the Texas Rangers, they uh, they they kind of in a lot of their episodes where they've got time, they do take some time to explore some of the lore of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, and they uh, not only during the episode, but you know at the end they would give these stories that are probably more extravagant than they actually are but that's kind of how the texas rangers have built themselves into the name that they are is because they've been doing it for so long that you know fear and criminals was pushed this to be you know grandiose and and very extravagant um agency as it were and didn't you didn't you have um one of the clips, because there's that whole one riot, one ranger uh, thing, which uh, is is like this thing that, you know, it's continued for decades down the line as this sort of legend of the Texas Rangers. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember being a kid and my dad telling me about the one riot, one ranger. And there is a clip I do have from Tales of the Texas Rangers. So let's get into that real quick. And we're going to play uh, this clip and uh, for everyone to hear. This is Joel McRae. Many tales about the Texas Rangers have been repeated until they are legend. And here's one of my favorites. Many years ago, rioting broke out in a Texas town and the mayor appealed for aid from the Rangers. He was at the railroad depot to meet the expected help when a stranger got off the train and approached him. Are you the mayor, the stranger asked. The mayor, looking anxiously for the ranger force, said, Yeah, but I have no time to talk to you now. I'm waiting for the Texas Rangers to stop this rioting. The stranger said, I'm the ranger. I was sent down to help you. The mayor's mouth dropped open in dismay. They only send one ranger? Puzzled by the question, the ranger said, Yeah. You only got one riot, haven't you? Don't forget our date, same time next week, folks. See you then. So as you can hear in that clip that, you know, you only have one riot and you only need one ranger. Um, and I was doing some research. I'm like, where did this come from, right? Because, you know, everything has some history in it. And what I read was this actually came from one of the captains. And there's a book uh, by Albert uh, Bigelow uh, that he wrote in there that Captain Bill McDonald, this is kind of one of the stories from there, and Captain McDonald uh, has been claimed to have said when he was sent in to stop a prize fight, uh, the mayor had requested him to come in and stop it, or the Texas Rangers to come in and stop it, that he said um, he gets off the train and, and the mayor looks at him and says, where's the others? And he has claimed to have said, hell, ain't I enough? There's only one prize fight. So you can see how it kind of changed from one riot, one fight to, or one ranger to um, being something completely different than it is now. And it's lived, like I said, for years. My, even my dad was telling me about the one Ranger, one riot, uh, story. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think there's a definite reality to the Rangers, but there's a, you know, there's also, you know, always a little bit of, uh, growth in the telling when it comes to an agency that's become so legendary. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they they were depicted in so much in TV, radio, and movies, um, even during like I think World War II when you know they stormed Normandy. They they believed it was the Texas Rangers coming to save them, and it was actually the Army Rangers. So just how far and broad the Texas Rangers have gone with their name is just miraculous. And I'm not surprised being 200 years old. Yeah. And of, of course they, they continued in a lot of forms, you know, you know, we of course talk about radio, but uh, I've also seen, you know, various pulp books, which, uh, you know, they made their way overseas and they gave folks a lot of ideas about what the American West uh, was in Europe. So that that probably um, explained that, but that kind of not just in uh, things that were true to life, uh, but also into the realms of fiction. Um, and of course, probably one of your, uh, you know, headline uh, shows is the, uh, uh, 
for old time radio westerns is the Lone Rangers, which it Lone Ranger, which ties into the Texas Rangers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Lone Ranger was is based on I mean the backstory of how the Lone Ranger became the Lone Ranger was he was a group of his Texas Ranger, you know, compadres and friends, and I mean one of them was his brother. Uh, got ambushed and everybody got killed except for the Lone Ranger himself, which Tonto helped heal him. And he became the Lone Ranger because he didn't want them to know that he survived, possibly bringing backlash on his family. And again, fought to um, all the injustices that could happen everywhere from Texas to Oklahoma to Kansas, all the way into California. I mean, the stories on the Lone Ranger went far and broad and helped stop uh, the smuggling that happened in San Francisco. I mean, just crazy how, you know, the, the way the radio had picked multiple stories. But again, tales, uh, I mean, the Lone Ranger had been on for 20 years. I mean, there's multiple episodes, three days a week. So, yeah, the Lone Ranger was probably one of the first ones out there. It started in the early 1920s, I believe, if not 1930s. And... Um, was just huge among not only children, but um, adults and, and, you know, elderly people, as it were. Yeah, I, I think that it definitely, you know, and of course, The Lone Ranger continued on into live action. And then, like, you know, there, there was even like a, a cartoon series, I think, was it from the 70s or 80s, something like that? Um, so, oh, uh, he remains just really culturally iconic. Um, and I even remember there was like an episode of Greatest American Hero where they paid tribute to uh, the Lone Ranger and actually had the had one of the actors who played them as a guest on that. So that's that continued on for many years. Uh, another character, uh, that I I've discovered like more recently is Chick Beaudry. Um, he was created by Louis L'Amour and funny enough, in terms of this episode, uh, the backstory that L'Amour, Louis L'Amour gave him is that Chick Beaudry was, uh, recruited to become a Texas Ranger by, um, uh, by McNally by uh he he took the real uh mcnally made him a character in uh in this story who recruited chick Beaudry. and the stories were interesting because uh lamore was someone who knew the west researched the west and put a lot of detail in and most of the time with chick Beaudry, he was writing to the towns that were either without law, uh, you know, there was no sheriff, or it was a situation where the sheriff was a little bit dodgy, uh, and he would have to go in, you know, half of them really feel like they're just, you know, detective stories, but with him as the ranger having to figure all this stuff out with authority and skill but in a really lawless area where uh, he's constantly in danger. So that would, you know, and that's, you know, phenomenal series. It's all on, was all put 
on audio in the 1990s, but had been in a book form for many, many years before that. And then, of course, we have the greatest uh, uh, and most legendary ranger of them all, Walker, uh, Texas Ranger. Yeah, that is, is very true. And you think about the, 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 the comedy that goes behind not just the shows, but just the actor who played, you know, a Texas Ranger, as it were, has his own, you know, storyline and, and how crazy Chuck Norris is on on all that is just crazy who they picked and how well he picked it. And, you know, he's like a MacGyver. He's able to you know kick anybody's butt no matter what. And yeah, I mean, I did like the series. I remember watching it, you know, when it first came out and it was a pretty good series and it still runs in reruns to this day. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those series that, you know, some people have fun making fun of, but, you know, it's a, was a, it was a good time. It was something that, like, the Rangers at first, uh, they it took them a while, you know, they, they kind of were like, well, we, uh, we're not entirely sure, but they warmed to it because of the way he represented uh, the Rangers, despite some inaccuracies, like they didn't like the black hat because that's not really something that um, the Texas Rangers do. It, we, uh, they don't wear black hats. But uh, the show, I think, you know, kind of goes away t- towards building and continuing that uh, legend. And actually, the the title of the first episode. Uh, of Walker, Texas Ranger was one riot, one Ranger. So, which I guess goes to show how deeply that has been embedded in our culture. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of the issue too, with the whole black hat, white hat, I mean, it's even used in technological terms now, you know, black hat is the bad guys, you know, they're the ones who are nefarious and trying to get into stuff while you have the white hats, which are the good guys trying to fix things. Then you get some gray hats, which are kind of a little bit of both, but having a black hat as your lead character, who's supposed to be on, on the law and justice side throws that stereotype out because, you know, you should be white. Everybody has white hats when they're good. I mean, Lone Ranger himself in the in all the radio shows, he had a white hat. So it's just kind of, you know, I could see them like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about the whole black hat situation, but it is kind of funny that he made that, you know, fit him. And now you look at it and you don't think anything nefarious when you, when you look at, you know, all the, the artwork from, you know, Chuck Norris, you don't go, Oh, he's a bad guy. You can tell he's the good guy and he's going to you know kick butt and take some names. Yeah, and it, it definitely, it's probably one of the things that he's best known for. And, you know, and with all the martial arts works, martial arts work he did in various films, it's probably the one that's most accessible, say, to, you know, younger viewers, because uh, a lot of the films he did before that were, were like R rated. So this one uh, was much more of a family show that people could follow and really uh it you know captured that sort of values of the uh, texas rangers absolutely now i mentioned at the start of the podcast that this that this sort of episode of inheritance it's not something typical of great detectives but you actually have like a feed on your your site 
which you do, uh, you do something I believe it's called Western Stories. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Western Stories feed that I have is more of th- very akin to this, where the series that you know did a Western episode, Escape, for an example, or Studio One, didn't do their entire series on Westerns. They may have had one or two spinoff shows that had, or not even spinoffs, but just episodes that were about Westerns. So the, every show was slightly different. You had sci-fi built in there. You had a couple different things built in. And so I've taken that all those individual shows that are kind of onesie twosie shows and put them into one feed. So we actually have a good amount of shows that actually, you know, maybe only ran one episode or two episodes and not enough to do its own, you know, podcasting feed as it were, like the Lone Ranger tells the Texas Rangers. But I can actually put those out there for people to hear that they may not have gotten it. So this is one that was in my line to eventually get to. Um, and put it out there for everybody to hear. Uh, but yeah, we did Hollywood Pl- Star Playhouse. Uh, there's just, I'm looking at all the different shows that we've gotten. There's just, you know, a, a ton of them. I even like, sadly, Rin Tin Tin is one that, you know, will have to be in there because there's only a couple surviving episodes of that. Even though it was huge, only a couple shows actually still live to this day. Yeah. And, that that is really fun. It's it's always interesting to run into those sort of one offs where you know, and it, it's a little can be you know because you also have like some things like Lux in there, yeah. Where it can be a little different when you're dealing with someone who like always does westerns and then someone who's kind of uh, appro- approaching it as a one off thing. So it's a nice little contrast as well. Yeah, and a lot of those shows, too, back in the day were the proving grounds for future shows. So Gunsmoke, as an example, which had a very long run and even went into TV, actually started as one of those spinoffs. And they did one or two episodes trying to figure out, like, how do we get the tempo to work right? Does the story work right? Does the characters that we want work correctly? And so those one-off shows, while I do include in the main feed, actually go inside of something like that where you would never have heard it normally because it's part of Escape or it's part of, you know, Studio One or Lux Radio. You know, there's so many other little testing grounds that they had. Um, But it gives the ability for those of us, like myself, who love Western radio and love Western as it is, um, to actually experience shows that just aren't Western in general, but actually have a good storyline based in it. And of course, you're you're also uh, working your way through Tales of the Texas Rangers. And I think currently you're into some 1951 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I'm right towards the tail end. I think we ended up lining up somehow uh, on our on our episodes that were just behind. But yeah, about every because they're two year runs, so I try to go every two years. I try to re release it just so that way you know uh, it's been two years since you've heard the very first episode. So as it's fresh in your mind, it really happened two years ago that you've you've actually heard it again on the series or the show. So I'm always rebroadcasting a lot of those shows trying to keep them out there and keeping them fresh because some shows last longer. Uh, Lone Ranger, as an example, 20 years, and I'm trying to pump out as many of those shows as I can. So my main feed on that is 1945, but I'm rebroadcasting the 1938 episodes. So there's just so many episodes that I'm just trying to keep them fresh for everybody because 
some of them you haven't heard in 10 years or so. So yeah, definitely check out otrwesterns.com and we are pumping out over a hundred shows a month trying to get Westerns alive. And we are, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're finishing up tales of the Texas Rangers here on great detectives. So we've got a few more Saturdays left, uh, to, uh, uh, finish, finish up, uh, our run through the series. And it's been, it's been fun uh, doing this and taking some time to celebrate, uh, you know, legends of law enforcement and detection with the Texas Rangers. And Andrew, I appreciate you uh, joining us for this uh, celebration. Absolutely. Wouldn't miss it for the world. The moment you asked me, I was replied, uh, let's do this. And then we scheduled as quick as we could. And, and we've got that uh, all recorded. And uh, we're going to go ahead and... Um, uh, we've got something really special and appropriate to wrap things up. Uh, but uh, 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 once again, uh, with Andrew Rines, this is Adam Graham signing off. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. One of the pleasures afforded us here in this show is the large number of letters we receive asking for special information about the Texas Rangers. This week we received one, an especially interesting letter, in which the writer said she had heard of an official ranger's prayer and inquired if such a prayer actually existed. It does. The prayer was written by Captain Pierre Bernard Hill, chaplain of the Texas Rangers, and I should like you to hear it. O oh God, whose end is justice, whose strength is all our stay, be near and bless my mission as I go forth today. Let wisdom guide my actions. Let courage fill my heart. And help me, Lord, in every hour to do a ranger's part. Protect when danger threatens. Sustain when trails are rough. Help me to keep my standard high and smile at each rebuff. When night comes down upon me, I pray thee, Lord, be nigh, whether on lonely scout or camped under Texas sky. Keep me, O God, in life, and when my days shall end, forgive my sins and take me in. For Jesus' sake, amen. Good night, folks. Good night.